Tappers, what's up? It is the Monday edition of the Daily Tap. We are talking great expectations. We are talking expectations for Marquette and Shaka Smart, Wisconsin and Barry Alvarez, the Bucks on their West Coast road trip, and the Milwaukee Brewers for their season. It's going to be a good show. I love a good theme. I'm sure you guys do too. Let's not waste any more time and get right into it. Talk some Marquette hoops about Shaka Smart being hired for the Golden Eagles. The news broke early on Friday morning that Shaka Smart will be the head coach of the Marquette Golden Eagles. The news came as, I think, kind of a surprise to a lot of us. I, I don't think a, any, a lot of people had Shaka Smart on their list. People didn't think Shaka Smart was going to leave. Um, some people thought maybe Shaka Smart would get let go by Texas as he's struggled uh, there in, in their world. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. But Shaka decides to come back home. He's from Oregon, Wisconsin originally, and Shaka joins the Marquette Golden Eagles. Marquette once flirted with Smart, once had Smart as sort of a, the hashtag done deal. We all know the story. It seemed like Shaka Smart was coming to Marquette, and then it fell apart in the 11th hour. Now, Shaka Smart will basically get to write that story again. He had a chance in 2014, and he decided to stay one more year at VCU before bolting to Texas. So Smart has a little bit of unfinished business there. And Smart, I don't think leaving Texas is a step down. I know that there'll be a lot of people that see it as a step down. I think Shaka Smart wanted to go to a place where there wasn't as much noise as Texas. Texas is a noisy place. Texas is a place where you have people in your ear all the fucking time. Their boosters are obnoxious. Now, they care more about football than they do basketball, but Texas takes themselves very seriously. Some would say almost too seriously. There was questions of if Shaka could run a style like Havoc at Texas. People didn't think that was like power five worthy basketball. There were articles about this. Like people were concerned that Havoc wasn't a defense for a team who was a caliber of Texas, which is kind of ridiculous if you think about it. And Shaka, you know, changed it up. And guess what? He had great defenses without Havoc. He didn't need Havoc. Some people thought he was a gimmick-style coach because of the Havoc-style defense, and Shaka proved them wrong. He's had great defenses throughout his time, and I think that makes it very exciting for Marquette. I also think he has an energy and a spirit that has been lacking at the at the institution for a long time. Steve Wojciechowski had, you know, an energy. He had a fire to him, but it it always felt forced. It always felt like it was the win every day garbage. Like it felt like it was he was just trying to be something that he wasn't. I don't know. It's really hard to like put it put it together. But you just never felt genuine from Steve Wojciechowski. When you compare that to Buzz Williams, you compare that to Tom Crean, those guys, those guys gave a shit. And and not to say Steve didn't give a shit, but it was more like it seemed like he was always just trying to show the best version of himself. And he was beloved among the administration. They really liked him. That's why the firing of Wojo was such a shock. But a lot of that, I think, was that the fan base felt apathetic towards him, that people weren't rushing back for season tickets. And if you hear the rumors that a booster basically funded this whole thing, funded the buyout, funded bringing Shaka Smart in, 
then okay, great, like whatever. That's and that's fine. And it was done much quieter than what we saw at Indiana. Indiana buys out Archie Miller for $10 million. Indiana has Brad Stevens, Chris Holtman on their brain, and then they go and hire Mike Woodson, who has no experience in the college coaching world. Now he's bringing Thad Mata. I think that will help. But the fact is, is like that's where they got. Marquette kept their mouth shut. It was so airtight. No one really knew anything. People thought, well, maybe Porter Moser is going to want to come here. Matt Norlander built a very interesting case about why Marquette was a better job than than Indiana. And then, and all of that being said, it landed on Shaka, and no one saw it coming. So, what should our expectations be for Coach Smart? Well, I I think it's really simple, right? Get Marquette back to being a perennial tournament team. I think that's step one. I think step one is getting them back to the tournament on a regular basis. Marquette has too good of rosters and has an easy recruiting, I wouldn't say pipeline because that's probably the wrong word, but they are are easy to recruit. Milwaukee has been able to sell itself as a place and Marquette's been able to sell themselves as a place thanks to guys like Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, Wes Matthews, Jay Crowder. That matters for kids, right? And I think Marquette has become one of the premier Midwest destinations for guys hoping to go to the NBA. And they've done a great job recruiting. Steve Wojnarowski did a great job recruiting. And it sounds like Dawson Garcia, Justin Lewis, and DJ Carton are all going to stay. Now, if they transfer, whatever. It is what it is. That's their choice. I'm not going to shit shit on them for that. I'm not Greg Gard. Um, which, that's a whole other story. Which I know we talked about a little bit on Tavern the Keg. But I'm not going to do that. And I'm not. I'm also not going to to like, you know, shame them. I think they'd be making a mistake because I think what Shaka has done in terms of NBA talent is very successful, especially for big men like Lewis and Garcia. So I just think you get them back to that perennial NCAA tournament team. You're top four in the Big East on a regular basis. You're being talked about with Creighton and Villanova because Creighton and Villanova right now are the class of the Big East. Creighton and Villanova are the two teams every year, year in, year out. They are the best teams in the Big East. It is time for Marquette to join that party. I don't think that's an unloft, I don't think that's too lofty of an expectation to expect Marquette to be there with Creighton and Villanova. Now, I'm not saying like Villanova national championship level. I'm just saying being in the same ballpark as them. Because for a lot for the last couple of years, it has felt like Villanova plays on the varsity field and Marquette plays on the JV field. That needs to change. And I think Shaka can do that with recruiting, with the way he coaches. And just I think that the Big East experience for him will be a lot different than what he dealt with in the Big 12. You look at that conference and you look at the conference of coaches, Shaka, what, is probably fourth, maybe fifth best coach in the Big in the Big 12. Now in the Big East, I think he's he might be number two if Greg McDermott leaves, which I kind of expect. I, I don't think Greg McDermott's going to leave. Or I'm sorry, I don't think Greg McDermott's going to stay. So I really do think the Marquette can be successful, and I think the expectations should be relatively high. I think you should expect Marquette to be a tournament team next season if a lot of the team decides to stay. Now, if they all decide to leave, then yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a rebuilding process. But I think you can 
be patient with it, right? You can give Shaka Smart a year. I think that that's fair. I I will probably say the grace period's three years, two or three years before you start asking questions again. And I think Marquette just wants to be back into relevance, be, into being relevant. Right now, I don't know how relevant Marquette is in the state of Wisconsin. I think there are still Marquette fans, but I just don't think there are many people who care that much about Marquette Golden Eagles basketball. And I think in years past, they were near the top. But now with the success of the Milwaukee Bucks, with how good the Green Bay Packers perennially are, we know that. No one really tops the Packers. Brewers are pretty good regularly. And yeah, the Badgers probably have more of a lion's share because they've been really good the last few years. While Marquette's been toiling away, not winning NCAA tournament games, Wisconsin was a game away or, you know, nine minutes away from winning a national championship in 2015. That matters for the casual Fairweather fans or the, the fans who are like, I'm a fan of both Marquette and Wisconsin, which is more common than you'd think if you're outside of the Southeast bubble. I know it makes a lot of Marquette and Wisconsin fans cringe. So that's all the kind of the expectation goals for Chaga Smart, but I'm very fired up about it. I think it's a really good move for Marquette and look forward to what Chaka can do for the Golden Eagles. Staying in college athletics, moving on to the Wisconsin Badgers. So Wisconsin Badgers are looking for a new AD, or well, they will be, I should say. Uh, Barry Alvarez is likely going to retire. Um, that news comes from Jeff Petrakis. It seems like Barry is going to move on, and he's you know he's an old guy, and it's probably time right that Alvarez steps aside. It, it's crazy to think about Badger athletics without Barry Alvarez. Barry Alvarez has been an institution for a long time. Barry Alvarez, I think, has done more to keep stories in Madison than any than a lot of a lot of ADs. Like it is red China there. Like nothing comes out. You don't hear stories. We never found out how Wisconsin got their COVID outbreak. There was rumors of a big party. You never actually saw the footage. And it's amazing. He he does a great job in terms of keeping that stuff in house. And he does a great job of sort of keeping everybody together. And he will be remembered, I think, as one of the top sports figures in Wisconsin history from a coaching perspective and maybe overall, right? I mean, the Badgers' athletics were dead before Barry Alvarez. And Barry Alvarez helped revive the football program. It helped motivate the basketball program into the right direction. I think a lot of the success of Barry Alvarez moved Wisconsin into the direction of Dick Bennett and then Bo Ryan, and Wisconsin became a powerhouse in basketball as well. And they're trying to continue it with Greg Gard. And the Badger football are trying to do it with Paul Christ. So will they keep it in the family? That's all Wisconsin has done, is the expectation that they will keep this in the family. My gut says yes. I found an old article because people were Googling it because um, I, I look at traffic and people were Googling an article I wrote in July of 2017 where Chris McIntosh was hired as the deputy athletic director. Chris McIntosh, a former player for the Badgers. He's a Wisconsin native. I think it is a no-brainer that Chris McIntosh is the, the new AD for Wisconsin. That Barry Alvarez maybe steps down says Chris McIntosh is AD in waiting. We will kind of work on a transition. I'm going to see out one more football season and then hand it over to Chris and Chris will take the reins. 
It'd be, it'll be very interesting, though, to see what happens, even though McIntosh, being a Wisconsin guy, being part of the familia, if anything does change, if there are actual shakeups, if, you know, Greg Gard, who hasn't been, I wouldn't say he's on the hot seat, but it, it hasn't been the, the transition from him to Bo Ryan hasn't been as good, I think, as some people would have wanted it. So I wonder if questions will start coming up about Greg Gard. I don't think those same questions will come up about Paul Crest. I think what Wisconsin has done has been very good, and I think the future is really bright with Wisconsin. They've done a hell of a job recruiting, and I do think Wisconsin's going to be back in the prominent stage sooner rather than later. I'm I'm very bullish on Crest and the Badgers, so I don't think there's anything to worry about there. But I couldn't imagine them going away from the Familia. And that would, that would really be unexpected because they did that with Gary Anderson and it blew up in their fucking face and it was a disaster. And Gary Anderson did not understand Wisconsin culture. He didn't get it. The walk-on thing is well-versed on how Gary Anderson just wouldn't do it. And it wasn't part of his strategy. It wasn't part of his philosophy. And it really set the Badgers back for a little bit. So I would I can't see them like Jamie Pollard was mentioned who I believe is the AD at Iowa State he has some Wisconsin ties so kind of still in the familia but not really right like what if he wants to shake it up what if he decides all right we're gonna yeah I, these aren't my guys I can make a call now I don't know why Pollard though would want to leave when Iowa State is you know on the cusp of something special with. With Matt Campbell, uh, who decided to stay another year at Iowa State, you just brought in a new coach, TJ Olsenberger, who is uh, from UNLV, who is the Iowa State's assistant for a long time. They're trying to build something there, and I would be—I I shouldn't say I wouldn't be surprised if Pollard take it because it's a better job, but I'd be surprised if Wisconsin decides to go outside of their circle. That's just very un-Wisconsin. And that, the only reason that would make me question of like where the future is for some of these coaches is if they do that. If Alvarez just feels like there there needs to be some sort of shakeup. But I, I just can't see it. I just can't see Barry doing something like that. I think it's going to be Macintosh and then we'll sort of see what happens moving forward. But yeah, I, I'd be really surprised if they go any any other direction. Real quickly, since we're talking college athletics, uh, you know, the Final Four or the Sweet 16 was this weekend. Every game was on its own. I got to say, I didn't really like it. I didn't really like having every game, Sweet 16 game just there. Because, let's be honest, they kind of stunk. It was not a great weekend of hoops. Like, Oral Roberts, Arkansas was incredible. Uh, Alabama, UCLA, also incredible. But every other game was kind of a wipeout. Uh, Gonzaga just blows the shit out of Creighton. Same with Michigan to Florida State. Houston dominated Syracuse. Um, to my tongue. Oh, Baylor, Villanova. I guess Oregon State, Loyola was kind of close, but not really. And it was a rock fight. Baylor came back against Villanova. But again, not entirely that exciting. So yeah, kind of a C minus D plus sort of weekend for college hoops, and you just wonder if the games were stacked, would you, would we really care? Would we really care that these games were duds because we'd all be watching Oregon State, Arkansas while Houston and, and Syracuse are playing, and then we'd all be on Alabama, UCLA while uh, Oregon and USC are playing. So I don't know. I wasn't a huge fan of it, um, but 
I will say all four games I'm really excited for. Houston, Oregon State probably the least, but I am really fired up for Michigan-UCLA. I'm really fired up for Baylor-Arkansas, and I'm really fired up for Gonzaga-USC. Gonzaga-USC is an incredible game, and I, I'm really upset that I have church class on Tuesday, so I will be DVRing the end of that if it's close. And then I'll be I'll be home for Michigan UCLA, so I got that going for me. But I will be missing part of Gonzaga USC. I, I'm very fascinated by the matchup. I I really like it. I I had I, I had USC in one bracket, and I should have put them in all my brackets because I I like that USC team, man. And and they I thought that they were pretty good this year, and I should have rode that on on all of them. But you win some, you lose some, and I know nobody gives a fuck about brackets. So we'll see what the final four looks like for Saturday, which I also will miss most of that because your boy's becoming a Catholic, and Easter Vigil is Saturday night, so I will have no access. I'll probably just watch it when I get home, uh, have a few beers, uh, as the good Lord intended, and watch and watch those games by myself, um, just in the darkness. So that'd be good. So that, those were my uh, quick college basketball takes that you either wanted or didn't want. Moving on to professional basketball, the Milwaukee Bucks are on their first losing streak since their five-game losing streak. Now, you could argue Saturday night really didn't count because everybody was out. Um, they were basically resting the entire team to get them ready for the West Coast road trip. I wonder if this is something Mike Budenholzer picked up. Remember, they went out west earlier this year and they, you know, didn't rest anybody. No one took the night off before. And you almost wonder if this was a lesson from the last time that maybe the constant being in the hotel and being in your bubble kind of wore them down. So in a way to kind of help them rest up, taking a night off against New York and not playing three games and four nights for most guys when they play the Clippers tonight was really helpful for the Bucks. So that's why they everybody was put on ice. And honestly, the game was so fucking fun on Saturday. That game was awesome. It it was a bunch of young scrap. It was like watching a college game because it was a bunch of young guys just basically trying to show their coach that they meant something. Like Thanasis had like four threes, really a shout out to the haters for Thanasis. Like everybody hates Thanasis for some reason. They just don't really like him. I I love his energy. Like I love the energy he brings on the court. I think it's great. I do think sometimes he is like a deer on ice, but that's okay. And I wasn't trying to actually, uh, that was pun not intended, deer and, and the bucks. But anyways, uh, Jordan Nora is a guy who just isn't afraid to shoot. He And same with Sam Merrill. I mean, both those guys can shoot. And I, I wonder if they're going to get extended looks with Bobby Portis and P.J. Tucker out currently. Portis is under health and safety protocols. No word on if he has COVID or not. He is not disclosed to share that. Portis did tweet out, I think, on Saturday that he'd be back soon enough. Uh, Tucker is being bothered by a calf strain. Calf strains suck, man. That's something that can keep you out for a long time or it can keep you out for a limited amount of time. So the Bucks go out west for their second time. And, and the hope is that it'll go a little bit better than the first time. But again, as we're doing expectation podcast, you got to be realistic with your expectations. And so you can't necessarily expect the Bucs to go undefeated on this West Coast trip. 
And it starts pretty hard with the Clippers. Now, the Bucks beat the Clippers in a dramatic 105-100 game uh, on a Sunday. Giannis takeover, we all remember it. It was a, a game that the Bucks really did control for most of it. And then LA came on strong at the end, and then the Bucks closed it out. Now, playing this Clippers team right now, the Clippers are hot. Clippers have been rolling. Um, they've won a lot of games recently. They're playing some of their best basketball of the season. So this is an, an ideal time for the Bucs to be playing the Clippers. But it is what it is. And it, it's probably their toughest game on this road trip. Um, so starting with the toughest, I don't actually hate because it might just mean you get a fresh Bucks team after that night off against New York, and you'll be ready to go against the Clippers. And I do think Giannis likes to beat Kawhi. I think the Eastern Conference final stuff still holds true, but that game is definitely an either-or. You, de- you can't expect to win there. You should beat the Lakers on Wednesday night. The Lakers are just not the same team without LeBron and Anthony Davis. I don't need to tell you that. That should be a win. I, I will say that that's an expected win. Portland, also an expected win. I uh, Is Portland expected win? I, I think so because the Bucs have played really well against Portland in the Budenholzer era. Budenholzer just has Terry Stotts' number. I don't know if it's a matchup thing. I don't know if it's that no one on that team can guard Giannis. Um, he always seems to have massive games against, against the Blazers. But yeah, I really like the Bucs in that one. I will put the expected win at two. Um, Sacramento on a back-to-back, that could be tricky. I mean, Sacramento plays no defense, so you you immediately have to like the Bucks because the Kings just play no defense at all. But they've been winning games. Um, they've been kind of hot of late, um, trying to make a push into the playoffs. That I, I, I will chalk up as an either-or just because it's, it's hard. It's hard to really th- see back-to-back on the road. You're halfway through it. I doubt anyone will rest, but still... That's going to be a difficult one. So I'll, I'll put right now we're at about a 2-2 two and two road trip. Golden State I would see as a win because Golden State really hasn't played that well this season. Um, they're not playing well right now. Um, Steph Curry being out has a lot to do with that. Now, he could be back um, by the time the Bucks and Warriors play next week. Um, that'll be that'll be a fascinating game, as always. Um, it'd, it'd probably be a lot different than the first game of the year where the Bucks absolutely roundhouse kicked the Golden State Warriors. And then the last game is Dallas. And that, to me, is it's that la- end of the road trip, man. It's going to be almost two weeks um, before the Bucks are home when they play one game against Charlotte and they go back out on the road. Now, when they go back out on the road, it's a little easier than the road trip they're dealing with here. And Dallas, I mean, has been a weird team all year. Um, they really haven't played well at home. Luka's dealing with some bru- bumps and bruises, but nothing like serious. I'm not saying they would rest Luka at all. But I could see it as a thing where the Bucks maybe do rest their guys as they play the next day. And it's kind of a getaway game, getaway day game, as you would see in baseball. So I would think a 3-3 three and three road trip would be just fine for the Milwaukee Bucks. You get up to 4-2. and two, that's great. Now, do I want you to win three and then lose three? No, I would prefer that not to happen. Let's not do that shit again and get into a tailspin heading back home. So I would prefer if you're going to lose some games, maybe just not bunch them together. But the Bucks have been known to do it this year. Hopefully that won't happen with the Clippers. And I also will tell everyone not to panic if they lose to the Clippers on Monday night. Wrapping up the show with the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers' expectations, 
I think are higher. I don't know where people's expectations are. My expectations for the Brewers are higher than they've been in a lot of years. I watch this team in spring training. I read a lot about this team right now. And I'm just like, I think these guys can be fucking good. Like, that's my big takeaway. And I, Mitch and I will preview the Brewers in a lot more detail on Thursday's Tapping the Keg on opening day. And I just really have my high hopes for this team. And maybe my expectations are too high. And I've I've gotten hurt before by baseball teams. But you look at what the Brewers have offensively and in pitching. And you can't help but like this team. I mean, Jeff Passan even said that he's that the Brewers are the gambling dark horse at plus 500 to 1 to win the World Series. As crazy as that sounds. Now... Am I going to put a flyer on that? I don't know. Maybe I have to just because. Just have the ticket. If it's there, then we can at least be legends and go down together with it. But the Brewers are a really talented team. And I think they're not being talked about a lot, which is common, right? You expect that. But I also think locally, not a lot of people are talking about it. And I I don't really know why. Is it because the Milwaukee Bucks hold a lion's share and it's it's still really focused on what they're doing and then the Packers not doing anything in free agency, that has a bulk of the topic. But I feel like there's just not enough Brewer talk from the people, people around me. I just don't hear enough people being like, understand how good this team can be. And I realize the Brewers were not fun to watch last year. I talked about it on this podcast a few times where I was like, It is not fun to watch this team. I think it's the complete inverse this year. Like, I think this team is a joy to watch because you have pitching just up and down with uh, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, both Cy Young contenders. Freddie Peralta has all the makings of a breakout season on his heels. Adrian Hauser, if he comes back to 2019 form, who knows what that could mean. I'm really bullish on Brett Anderson too, because you have a really good defense behind him. And what Brett Anderson needs to be successful as a ground ball pitcher is a really good defense. So I'm high on all these pitchers. And then they have an awesome bullpen with Devin Williams and Josh Hader. And then their offense, you hear from Andy Haynes, their pitching coach, that the Brewers are on a mission. These hitters are on a mission. They are so mad at what happened last year. And it's almost like this revenge tour that we didn't know about. That these Brewers hitters are like, all right, that year sucked. We did not like what we were last year. And we are hell-bent on changing it. The spring training stats just blow your mind. Like, you have to be excited about this team. How can you not be? Like, you look at what they did to Cincinnati today. And again, I know it's spring training and whatever. But it's it's early. we're close to the season. We're five days away. You can get excited about this Brewers team. And it was 7-1. to one. And you look at what they, the guys that did it. Avisail Garcia, three-run homer in the first inning. Orlando Arcia drove in a run. Jackie Bradley Jr. also drove in a run. Christian Yelich tripled. So these are actual guys. These aren't just, you know, random AAA, quad A guys who are driving in the runs here. These are your guys. And they're jumping on teams early. Six runs in two innings is great. With this pitching staff... They're going to dominate. You look at what Corbin Burns did. He went five innings, three hits allowed, nine strikeouts. Gave up one home run to Tyler Naquin in the fifth. Whatever. Who cares? He's ready to go too. 
Brent Suter, really nice out of the bullpen. Two innings, one hit. He's both were both have been great this spring training. So how can you not be excited about this Brewer team? Your expectations should be high for this team, and that's that's okay. It's all right to have a high expectations, but the one thing you do have to remember about baseball expectations, it's a long season. So like if the Brewers start off and they scuffle, you just got to remember like it's nothing's worth getting mad about with baseball until at least Memorial Day, maybe even Fourth of July. You want to be in in contention, but you also know the NL Central is kind of assy. So the Brewers will Brewers have a little bit of cushion there. They have a tough they have a tough April. I, I've kind of talked about this a little bit, but the Brewers really do not have an easy start to their season. I mean, they are going they're going kind of into the depths of hell right at the start, playing St. Louis. Or I'm sorry, playing Minnesota. They do play St. Louis though. Minnesota, Chicago, St. Louis, Chicago again. They get a reprieve with Pittsburgh, but we know it's always weird when the Pirates and Brewers play. Then they go to San Diego for three games, play Chicago again. So they play what? They play Chicago four times, three times in the month of April. Miami got another reprieve and then four with Los Angeles uh, to round out April. That's pretty tough. And then you go to Philly. So yeah, I mean, it's not going to be easy to start for the Brewers, but if they come out swinging, I think they're going to turn a lot of heads, especially with playing the Padres and the Dodgers seven times in the first month of the season. So it'll be exciting. Brewers could set the tone early, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about the Brewers this week. Um, Mish and I for sure are going to do a lot uh, on opening day for Tapping the Keg episode, I think it's 410. But that'll do it for our show. I don't know how we thought about Expectation Day. Let me know if you liked it, if you didn't. I'm kind of lukewarm on it myself. I'm kind of like, ah. Maybe it wasn't as good of a plan as I thought, but you never know. You know, expect that's how expectations work, right? Like, for me, I don't know. I was expecting to get home by midnight uh, Saturday, which I did. And that, that was a good thing. But what I wasn't expecting was for me to be fucking shit-canned. I, like, I don't know about you guys. I've So I'm fully vaccinated. Get your vaccinations, whatever. But the last three weeks have been just a movie. They've been crazy. Each week has just sort of been this just blur of a night. And I know some of you are saying, Charlie, you're too old for this shit. Yes, you're right. I am too old for this. And I'm getting to the point where like my hangovers are actually like kind of feeling real. Like I'm as much as I'm mad about missing the final four for the Easter vigil. I am so happy that I get a, a weekend off. Like I'm like, all right, I get to I get to breathe a little bit here. I get to. Get to take a step back. It'll be all right. We'll be okay. And I we got our guy Murph going on the men. So I think that also is going to be <laughs> helpful because he's like, I'm not drinking. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm not going to join you on that. But I'm also, maybe I'm going to get a little bit of a break as well. A little bit of a space or water myself. Uh, because, man, it's been a roller coaster for the last few weeks. And my expectations are through the roof for the summer because I think it's going to be great. More and more people get vaccinated more and more rules fall off, and I think we're going to all enjoy the hell out of this summer. All right, guys. Take care of yourself. Have a good one. We're back tomorrow. Probably a morning podcast, by the way. Um, just setting the, setting the stage now. Um, Bucks Clippers late night. Um, that game's not going to finish till 1130. So unless I have a bunch of piss and vinegar after the game, um, who knows? And maybe I have enough energy to tape podcasts. Great. If not, we'll probably start it, start it up uh, Tuesday morning 
talk to you then. That probably is the expectation for a while with a lot of late games with the Bucks. All right, take care of yourself. Have a great Monday, Tappers. We'll be back tomorrow. All right, see you. Bye.